Welcome to God's Favorite Shepherds, a collection of 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters, with many of the stories ending with a short quiz. Listen now to the author of God's Favorite Shepherds, Bill Ackland. Today's story is entitled, Three Warm Friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And this story is based on Daniel chapters 1, 2, and 3. While our birth names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, soon after we arrived here in Babylon as captives from Judah, the chief eunuch, Ashpenaz, gave us Babylonian names. I was given the Babylonian name Shadrach, while my friends Mishael and Azariah were to be known as Meshach and Abednego. Our country has been in turmoil for hundreds of years. No sooner had a good king died than an evil king took his place. It seemed that most of the people did not have the courage to stand for God. Instead, they just followed whatever the king did. How it must have pained God's great heart of love for he had done so much for our nation right from the time of our deliverance from slavery in Egypt and down through many hundreds of years. He had given us what our forefathers knew as the promised land, the land promised to our ancestor Abraham when God entered into a covenant with him and with his son and grandson Isaac and Jacob. After many years of warning of approaching disasters for our nation, the time finally came when the Babylonian hordes devastated our land and our beautiful city, Jerusalem, the place where God said he would meet with his people. They left it in utter ruin. Solomon's majestic temple, a building like no other on earth, was reduced to a pile of rubble. Death and devastation were everywhere, and those of us who were left were marched like so many animals, chained to each other on the long trek to Babylon to be reduced to slave-like status again. However, my friends and I had another close friend, Daniel, who was renamed Belteshazzar. He became a trusted governor in Babylon and later in Medo-Persia due to God's leading. We were chosen to serve the king's palace. We first had to go through training for royal duties, learn their language and customs, and to generally fit ourselves to keep the court of King Nebuchadnezzar operating smoothly. As part of our training, we were provided food from the king's table, a rare privilege, we were told. However, it was not food we were used to. It was far too rich a diet. In any case, we were sure it had been offered to their gods before being eaten, and that is not something we would be a part of. So after persuading Ashpenaz to give us some simple plant-based food to eat and water to drink, and suggesting he test us in ten days' time, he finally agreed. At the end of ten days, we were better in all respects than were the other young men captured from Judah, who had accepted the king's diet. The years of our captivity were filled with duties at the king's court, and so went quickly in some respects, 
but very slowly when we realised that the prophets had said that the captivity would last for 70 years. 70 years! That was a lifetime for the people of our day. Who would there be of those who had left Jerusalem still alive to return there 70 years later? Not very many, we suspected. Often we felt like joining those of our countrymen who hung their harps in the willows by the river of Babylon and mourned for Zion, which would never be the same again. One day, some years into our captivity, we were told of a decree by King Nebuchadnezzar that a gigantic image coated with gold was to be erected on the plain of Jura. All who could attend were to be present and bow down to worship the image when the music sounded. This included all the courtiers of which we were three, as the king had declared that certain office holders must go to Jura. A mutual friend Daniel was elsewhere in the empire at the time, so did not attend. Never had we done such a thing in our young lives in Jerusalem, where the worship of the true God was centred, and we had no intention to change now, even though we were not a free people who could do as we pleased. As part of the king's decree, the harshest penalty for anyone disobeying his order to bow down to the music when it sounded was that they would be thrown into an especially constructed furnace, as hot inside as a brick-making furnace. Anyone thrown into such a furnace would soon be reduced to ashes. However, that still did not worry us. We determined to have only the great Creator as our God, come what may. When the day came for the public show of obedience to the King, the people assembled there were told when to stand. At a sign from the King's deputy, the music struck a loud chord, signalling that everyone must drop to their knees. Well, they did, except the three of us. We soon were spotted as it was not difficult to see three people standing when everyone else had bowed down to the ground. Immediately, some of the king's courtiers hastened to where King Nebuchadnezzar sat on his throne, telling them that three of the Jewish captives, whom the king had highly favoured by appointing them governors of the province of Babylon, had refused to bow down to the golden image. The king was furious at this defiance of his authority. Yet because of the approval of our work for him, he gave us another opportunity to show our loyalty by bowing down to the massive golden image, glistening brightly in the noonday sun. He told us that this time we must bow down, otherwise we would surely be thrown into the furnace where even a brick would barely survive. We respectfully advised the king that we had confidence in our God. He would protect us. Even if he did not, then we would certainly not bow down to the image that the king had set up. This time, the blood vessels of Nebuchadnezzar's neck nearly burst he was so angry, and he straightway ordered that the furnace be heated seven times hotter and we must be thrown into the furnace. It was so hot that the mighty men of war, who had been told to cast us into the fire, perished from the heat. 
I cannot tell you what was going through our minds as we were roughly picked up and thrown into the furnace, though. Then something amazing happened. We did not feel any heat at all. In fact, all around us, it felt just the same as in our personal rooms in the palace. When we grew accustomed to the flames, we saw someone else in the furnace with us. Yes, it was the Son of God who had come down from heaven to cancel the heat of the furnace. The king's plan to destroy us had failed. The Son of God spoke with us, assuring us of his love for us and his promise to always be with us. The next thing we heard was King Nebuchadnezzar calling out in a panic-stricken voice, pleading with us to come quickly out of the furnace. You servants of the Most High God! All the king's men came to see the miracle of three men who had not been affected by the fire in the slightest. They could not smell the fire on our clothes, neither were they singed, nor was our hair. Even our skin was in a perfectly healthy condition. Now the king was a changed man. He immediately issued another decree saying that if anyone spoke against our God, they would be cut into pieces and their houses burnt to the ground. Of course, we did not agree with that, but we could see that it was Nebuchadnezzar's way of acknowledging how great is our God. He had power over the most powerful king on earth in our time. After we had gone back to our quarters in the palace, we discussed until well into the night what had happened that day. We all came to the same conclusion, that God is a God of love and kindness. He doesn't force us to obey Him. We have learnt that giving our love and loyalty to Him is the best thing to do in every way. For not only does it give us a sense of oneness with Him, but it is so very reassuring that He has the power to deliver us from out of trouble if He chooses to do so. We are glad that we chose to serve God in our childhood and youth. We are even more determined to serve, honour and love Him for the rest of our lives, whether these are short or long. I hope you too, when you hear of our experience as captives in Babylon, far from our homeland and that once beautiful city of Jerusalem, the place of God's choosing, set on a high plateau in the land of God's promise. I have a a short quiz for you now. Daniel's three friends had two sets of names. What were their birth names? What were their names given to them at Babylon? Why did the Babylonians invade Judah and destroy Jerusalem and the temple? All the people who were captured were now slaves. Had their ancestors ever been slaves before? What was made that the people had to bow down to? And did King Nebuchadnezzar change his attitude when the three friends were not destroyed in the furnace? You've been listening to God's Favoured Shepherds, a book with 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters. If you have any comments or questions, or to obtain a copy of this book, Give us a call within Australia on 
4973-3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.